What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Guest Friday on Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. As always, you can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And you can follow our social pages on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, this week, very excited to announce that uh, I am joined by Evan Marinovsky. Evan is the uh, editor for the New England Hockey Journal and also is the host of Bruins Beat Podcast. Uh, Evan, what's going on? I'm so happy to be here. I uh, I I love obviously talking Bruins and uh, Garrett. We've known you know I've we've known of each other for a long time, so it's nice to finally be able to talk yeah. Bruins. And we had this scheduled for a long time, so I had yeah. I had this on the calendar for quite a bit, and I, I was excited. It's it's at the perfect time. Training camp starts. Uh, we're recording this Tuesday night, so it starts Wednesday. So I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's definitely great. It's uh. A really exciting time of year you know training camp is always a, a fun time for some of those young guys looking to get minutes and obviously we'll get to uh, some of those things but obviously today Tuesday uh, we got the news this morning that uh, Zdeno Char announced his retirement from the National Hockey League and gave a uh, brief press conference uh, this afternoon signing a one-day contract with the Bruins so um, Evan I figured we could start there today and kind of just talk about Chara and, you know, what he meant to the Bruins organization. Yeah. I mean, he was everything, right? I mean, you look back to when they signed him as a free agent, he was sort of there. He he changed the course of the franchise. I mean, I think that, you know, it's funny. You don't really see that now. Nowadays, free agency, you know, guys like Chara and even Mark Savard don't really hit free agency. You know, you saw Johnny Goudreau this off season, but that's pretty rare. Yeah. Um, and Chara came in and, People forget his first year wasn't that good. It was like a mm-hmm. minus 20 or a minus 28. I mean, Dave Lewis basically completely made him irrelevant. Um, but then Claude came in and completely changed his role and the rest is history. So, I mean, again, he's one of the main reasons why they were so dominant for so long. I think he's one of the also main reasons why they're still is that, you know, the, the way the locker room is, uh, you know, the culture it's that was instilled by him. Um, so again, I mean, his impact on the team will go way longer than his career. It's weird though, because it feels like, you know, again, he's, he retired today, but it felt like he really retired when he, when he signed with the capitals because, and again, that wasn't him. That wasn't his fault. I think if he wanted to stay, I I think, you know, he wanted to stay. Um, but it just, I think we, we had the Chara conversation, a lot of it when he first left. So obviously the retirement's big today. Um, and, and it's totally worth looking back at his career. I mean, he's, I mean, maybe the greatest defenseman of that generation, at least most impactful. I mean, just the way in which he made guys invisible, um, in the, in his own zone, but it's weird. Cause it feels like this is the second time we're having these conversations uh-huh. because he left, you know, two years yeah. ago and we had the same stuff. So it's a weird feeling. It'll, you know, I think it would have been different if he just, if he just straight up retired back then we would have had the same conversation. Yeah. Um, but I mean, again, just. It, it it's it's so crazy his impact um on this franchise and and just how good he was at his peak yeah yeah i mean it's really remarkable you know coming in as this kind of big time free agent and um you know kind of instilling that culture and that you know identity of you know this big kind of you know big bad bruins you know uh defensive minded hockey we're okay you know, we're going to pride ourselves on being strong defensively. And I just think that he just was kind of a perfect 
encapsulation of all those Bruins teams, you know, obviously the the one that won the Stanley Cup. But I think it just you think about how much he meant to Boston sports Bruins organization. And um, it just was neat to see all the former teammates at that press conference today and um, just how much he's appreciated in this organization. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at the I mean, just the outpour and even the stories on him, I think, because whenever someone retires, you always see the great stories of the players. And uh, I think it was Pierre Lebrun had a piece in The Athletic about, you know, how uh, just just tidbits on Chara from Claude, Julian and Peter Shirelli. And I mean, the stories are so great. He's you know, he was always such a great guy. I, again, I, I didn't really get to cover a lot of him. So, you know, older media members have a lot more stories about him. And, you know, he, you know, he, he's someone I wish I got to cover more. He was someone I wish that, you know, I got to be, you know, I grew up with Chara in the sense that, you know, when I was growing up in this area, he was the guy. I mean, I was a defenseman. I loved watching Chara. He was, you know, a guy you wanted to be. And unfortunately, I was off by about a foot. So I was not Zdeno Chara. Uh, I had no chance. But it just, it, 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 you know, I just think he had such an impact on the region and hockey as a whole. And I also, one thing that I think gets forgotten a bit is how he kept with the times. There, there was a time in hockey between about 2014 to 2017 where the game completely shifted from, you know, power forwards were the, were the guys and it shifted to a very speed and skill oriented game. Mm -hmm. And he didn't get lost in that. He kept up with it. And again, I think part of that's because, you know, he never relied on speed. He was always just such a big guy. He covered so much of the zone that a lot of times his reach made up for any, you know, speed deficiencies or, mm -hmm. but, you know, again, I think him being able to keep up with the speed of the game yeah. and still make an impact is incredibly impressive, especially given his age. Cause when that was happening, he was, you know, very late thirties, early forties, and mm -hmm. he was still keeping up now again, you know, when McDavid would skate around him, there's nothing he could do, but for the major, you know, majority of guys, he was able to successfully stop. So that was equally impressive. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I think um, you think about the way that he was kind of uh, able to adapt and kind of be still an effective player, even when, you know, the game changed and went from, you know, it went to a little bit more of a quicker pace. Um, and he's just so smart and really had such a great understanding of the game. And, um, you know, yeah, I mean, I feel like we could do an entire podcast talking about him. We could do an hour on just Chara. I mean, we could do an hour on like just Chara's fight with David Kochi. Like we could just do an hour on that. I mean, he's just, he's, it's a rabbit hole of stuff. I mean, he's yeah. fascinating. Um, so I think now kind of shifting gears, gears towards this current edition of the Bruins team. Uh, it was definitely a interesting off season, you know, coaching change. And we'll talk about that shortly, but I think talking about some of the additions that they brought in the off season. I mean, obviously I don't think we need to spend a lot of time talking about David Krejci and what he brings to the table. I mean, I think that we both know how much he brings to the table, but I think uh, bringing in someone like Pavel Zaka was a really interesting move that I'm kind of curious to see how that pays off. Yeah. I think the Zaka thing is very interesting because they, they sold high on Ericala, which Right. Again, they haven't always been great at, especially with their own prospects. So the fact that they were able to do that, and granted Hall is not a prospect, but to do that with Eric Halla and not just get complacent and keep him uh, with one year left on his deal, I think is is pretty good. Um, and again, I think a lot of New Jersey Devil fans would be like, you idiots, they, they, they got Pavel Zaka. He's the most inconsistent first round pick ever. 
And it's like, I think the Bruins see with Zaka a, a guy with a lot more to give. And they do feel that way. And I think, you know, whether or not he fulfills that is we will see in the first couple of weeks of the season when he gets a real shot uh, on Patrice Bergeron's left, most likely. But, you know, he's completely set up to succeed here. There's no pressure on him to be the guy. He's on a one-year prove-it deal. Um, most likely he'll be on the third line once Marshan comes back and he'll probably be with Coyle and Smith. Again, he's in a good spot. Um, now again, I do think in some ways, you know, getting Zaka is not just a move for this year, but potentially in years to come, you know, he said he wants to be a center. Um, that's where he likes the most. It's clear on this team. He is not going to be a center at least this year, um, unless something drastic happens, something, you know, you never know, but my guess is he isn't, but future years you wonder, and it's a whole other talk, but you know, I saw some rumblings on Twitter today, people being like, Hey, we're going to have these same press conferences next year for Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci. And it's like, Hmm. And you think about the future and the center position is not uh, one that the Bruins have a lot of depth in uh, mm-hmm. going forward. And um, you wonder if they look at Zaka as a guy who could fit as a potential two C down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, first round pick big guy gets to the middle. Well, good shot just comes down to, can he produce consistently, which again, feels like we've been saying that about a lot of Bruins. So um, I think the Zaka move is a, is a, is a, you know, solidified depth piece for this year, but I am very curious as to what they have with him going forward. Like, do they look at him as the next David Krejci? And again, I, I, I don't even want, cause it's funny. Cause I don't even want to trust it from this year. Like even if he goes and puts up like 50 points this year on the wing, I, I don't want to automatically be like, oh, give him a four-year, $5 million deal. Like, I, that's the that's the tough part. And so right. I think that's something they're going to have to kind of come to next offseason. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, I think going back to the Hall, I think they definitely sold high. You know, Hall produced at one of the highest levels in his career. And, you know, moving him for a guy like Zaka, who, you know, certainly underachieved, I think, being a first-round pick. But I think he's a guy that I think I could see him following under uh, like a similar line to someone like Riley Nash, for example, that was kind of just a decent player that uh, was in Carolina. Then he came to the Bruins and he put up, I think, career highs and points one of the seasons he was here. Didn't he play between Martian and Pasternak and that line like did not miss a beat? (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I think that there's something to be said for maybe a guy that just needs a, change of scenery and maybe he performs you know unbelievably well but then again like you said if the Bruins do think about moving him at center you know if he puts up 50 points on the wing it's like okay can he perform at that same level at center assuming that that's what 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 we see happen next offseason yeah again I mean it just kind of comes down to I don't I think during this year he's going to have stretches where he produces. I mean, just the the cast around him is too good for that not to happen. Right. And I think as the year goes along, we're going to start to ask the question of like, is he fit to be the next two C like, is he even more qualified than Charlie Coyle to potentially be a two C next year? Because you have, I mean, you have to think, and this is not reporting. This is just speculation. You have to think either Krejci or Bergeron would be done after this year, especially, I mean, you have to think probably Krejci, um, yeah, I would think. again, just spit, just spitballing. Um, and again, I think if Bergeron were to leave, I think Krejci would follow him. Um, yeah. so again, 
I think they're well aware that that is on the table. And I think Zaka was brought in to be that, you know, potential 2C, considering I don't think Eric Hollow was ever viewed as a 2C of the future. He was a really good stopgap last year. He produced really well uh, between Hall and Pasternak, but it was very, I think if it proved anything, it was, hey, we can put someone a little bit better than Halla here and get really good production. Because again, if they re-sign David Pasternak, which I expect to happen in the next month or two, right. um, you know, you can put, maybe you can put someone like Zaka there for three to four years while you maybe kind of find the next David Krejci, even though that's hard to find. Uh, maybe you can do that, you know, right. and get some solid production. Um, and I think, you know, obviously just briefly on Krejci, it's great to have him back. You know, I don't think that he's really going to miss a beat. You know, I think that he played enough last year, played enough hockey. I mean, sure, it wasn't NHL hockey, but it's like I think that he played enough that he's going to be fresh. And, you know, you put him between Hall and Pasternak, you know, I think that the Bruins are going to go into the season not really concerned about that line at all because they're pretty familiar with each other. And, yeah. <laughs> That's their first line, basically. I mean, and, yeah. and, and it's, you know, it's – I know, obviously, it's not Krejci of two years ago, but I, you know, and Connor and I have talked about this a lot. Like, you look at a guy like Krejci, his game is not reliant on speed. It's not reliant on physicality. It's simply just skill and finesse and, you know, slowly bringing the puck in the zone, you know, very east-west, not very north-south. And so I think that that's very good (laughs) because that doesn't that doesn't really age. Um, and I think again, even if he did take a step back in his overall game, he's playing with Pasternak and Hall. And I think that will make up for it. So again, I, I expect that line to be really good, especially mm-hmm. in the early going and they're going to need it. Like they're going to need it. It's not like, a, Oh, I, you know, hopefully they do something line. It'd be nice if they put together some points, like, no, they need that line yeah. the first two months of the year. There's no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And so you know, obviously another huge addition to the team was um, the hiring of Jim Montgomery and then obviously letting go Bruce Cassidy, obviously, you know, that was a huge move in and of itself. But um, I'm very curious to see what Jim Montgomery can do with this new group and, you know, hopefully get through to some of the younger guys that I think the Bruins are really kind of expecting more from. You know, you look at Studnika, you look at Frederick, um, even someone like Zaboral, who I think was coming along last year before his ACL injury. But I think the hope is with this new hire, they can kind of get some production out of some of those guys. Yeah. It's, you know, I think they felt they needed a new voice. Um, and I think it's similar to the Celtics situation um, last year where they brought in Ime Udoka, right? There's nothing wrong with Brad Stevens. He not a bad coach, um, you right. know, good coach, good, you know, solid X's and O's wasn't bad. Um, but they just needed a new voice to get over the hump. Now the Celtics got to the finals, didn't win, but still got there. Um, I think the good thing about what Montgomery's brought so far is he's acknowledged that this isn't broken. So there's, you know, there's not, he's not fixing anything. The only thing that he's really kind of digging his hands into is scoring more goals and taking less shots and taking better shots, which I think is a problem that, I think everyone has seen for a long time with this team uh, and it really, you know, affected them in the postseason mostly the past couple of years. Um, I think the added bonus to a guy like Montgomery is he's notoriously very good with younger players. Uh, you look at his time in Denver and how good he was kind of cultivating 
you know, really good talent there. Um, you know, you look at even Dallas, uh, and you know, his time with St. Louis this past, you know, for the, I think the last two years. So again, I think there's not, I, I don't think you're going to see like Trent Frederick score 30 goals all of a sudden. Oh, well. You're not going to see, you know, you know, uh, Jakob Zaboro become a top two defenseman, right. but I do think there is that chance that they feel they have a longer leash and right. good things can come from that. Um, and as you said, like Zaboro was on track, I think to, to join that six. I don't think that that, I don't think Cassie would have hampered him. I do think he would have had a real decision on his hands though, with a full group. Um, if Zaboral hadn't, um, gotten that ACL injury. So I do think there's a lot of room for improvement with the younger guys. Um, I all, you know, I think it's also an interesting thing, like with Trent Frederick, I think Frederick has a huge opportunity in front of him because with Marchand out, I mean, going into camp, I would imagine he's slotted in and we'll see in the next couple of days, but I would imagine he's slotted in, um, with Coyle and Smith with Zaka Mm -hmm. up on the first line uh, with Bergeron. So Frederick has a real opportunity to push for minutes and, you know, and there's so many young guys who are, who are competing for not a lot of spots, but the good thing I think is that Montgomery is a guy who can get through to them pretty well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm very excited to see what um, some of those guys can do in, in camp and then in preseason, you know, it's kind of interesting how, you know, we have started training camp and then boom, there's a preseason game this weekend. So it just hits. Yeah, there's not a lot of not a lot of like practice time. I mean, there are a couple of practice days, but um, I'm you know curious to see how they approach the preseason with some of those guys, because I think that this might be a huge opportunity for them to get into, you know, legitimate game action before, you know, they really try to make a push for that for that roster. Um, but for like for for Trent Fred for guys like Trent Frederick, I think it's going to be a huge preseason for them too. Mark McLaughlin, yeah. um, even like Chris Wagner, the guys yeah. competing for those third and fourth line spots. Um, I think it's going to be massive that they have good preseasons because that's probably how they're going to open the season. The guys who are playing well in the preseason, you know, who kind of puts together that fourth line to begin the year. Right. Um, so obviously, this Bruins team will begin the season without a couple of regulars you know, obviously that'll be a challenge. And, you know, as you said, that um, second or first line or whatever line you want to, you want to say is Paul Krejci and Pasternak, they're going to have their hands full because they're going to kind of be relied upon to be that scoring line in the first couple of months. Um, So I'm kind of curious, how do you think, how do you think they're going to look in those first couple of months? Great question. It's a great question. Uh, I think everyone's kind of curious what they're going to look like. And, and, and I think, I don't think it's ever going to be bad. I don't think this team's going to be out of the playoff hunt. I think they're actually going to be very much in it still. Um, I'm wondering more, I think scoring wise, they'll be okay. I think they will get scoring from the crazy line. I think Zaka Bergeron and DeBrusque will hold their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and then through the rest of the lineup, you know, you take what you can get, you hope, you know, a guy like Craig Smith bounces back and mm-hmm. Carly Coyle continu- continues to produce and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe someone breaks out on the fourth line, but it's really on D that I think the question is, right. You're missing Charlie McAvoy. He's your horse. He's your number one, your shutdown guy, you know, good and power plays, all those things, missing him, missing Grizzly. Uh, I think it's going to be huge on Hampus Lindholm. He's going to have to be, you know, step into a huge role um with lots of power play time penalty kill time you know 
can you play 26, 27, 28 minutes a night? Uh, and I think it's also big on Brennan Carlo, uh, him stepping up. He's going to have a bigger role. Um, you know, again, he's going to be the number one right shot defenseman. He's going to be, you know, killing penalties even more than he already is. Um, you know, they might have him stay out longer. Uh, whereas maybe in the past they put out McAvoy or something like that. So um, I think they're going to do all right. I don't think it's going to be this doomsday scenario. Um, Cause at the beginning of the off season, when, the, when all that news got announced, people were like, they need to rebuild. This team's going to be awful. And, and there were, and there were times where it like legitimately felt like that. Then Krejci came back and I think kind of the, the dust settled and people were like, you know, they'll be all right. Um, so again, if they can hover above 500, before Martian McAvoy, before Martian and McAvoy get back, they'll be okay. I also think the Atlantic, in and of itself, got worse this offseason. I think yeah, Florida, definitely, yeah, true. yeah, like Florida is not. I mean, Florida was kind of they were a team that had everything going right last year. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen every year. They also lost a lot. Their defensive core is is not good. Um, you look at Tampa; they lost some guys, uh, and then Toronto in net is just like what. So again, I don't think the Atlantic is going to be this, like, I think it's going to be good, but I don't think it's going to be impossible. Um, And the Bruins are in the mix. The Bruins are completely in the mix. And that's why I really, I think the first two months of the season, if they're good, like if they're in the top three spots in the Atlantic without Marsha and McAvoy, team might go on an actual run. And 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 that's a weird thing to say. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe, again, maybe I'm being too optimistic, but if that's the case, anything can happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I agree with all of that. You know, I think the Atlantic division, like you said, there are, you know, big, big weaknesses for a couple of those teams. And, you know, Tampa Bay is a group that's been to the finals three years in a row. I mean, that's going to weigh on them, you know, not going to say that, oh, they're suddenly going to be in the basement of the division, but you got to believe that there might be some regression with that team. Um, You know, obviously Ottawa improved a lot, but kind of remains to be seen how competitive they're going to be. Um, and then I think once the injured guys do return, that'll create some interesting kind of lineup, lineup questions. Um, but then hopefully, you know, they come back and they can hit the ground running and they can kind of pick up where they left off at, at points last year. Yeah, that's going to be the interesting thing is, you know, I think McAvoy will jump right back in. You know, you wonder with Marshan and his injury, you know, can he just, you know, resume being Brad Martian as normal. It's right. going to be big for, as I said, Trent Frederick. It's going to be very interesting. You know, where does he slot in the roster? Right. Cause if, if you think like, uh, you know, let's say it was, you know, Zaka goes down to the third line. Let's say the fourth line is kind of being solidified. Let's say, you know, it's a group of three that's working out really well. Do you break that up for Trent Frederick? I don't know. And, and that's something I think they're going to see as, as the first two months of the year go on. I also look on the back end, you know, um, is a younger guy going to get pushed out? Uh, I would have obviously yes, but who gets pushed out? You know, is, is Mike Riley the odd man out? You know, are you suddenly in a position where you can trade him? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And again, they're also going to have to free up a tiny bit of cap space. Exactly. So that's there's that too. So there, there. I think it's more on the back end because uh, mm-hmm. I think the battles are going to be happening all year up front with forwards, especially on that fourth line. Um, I think it's going to be a while until they find a trio that really works on that fourth line. I know we're going to get to this in a bit of who I think is going to break out, but I do think there's a few guys I can really see. There's one in particular who I see sticking to the fourth line um, for the majority of the season. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, you touched on it briefly, the, uh, like South, the cap situation that they're going to have to address. That's something that I'm curious about, you know, do they think about dealing a forward or a defenseman? You know, I feel like, and I don't know if Sweeney said this directly, but I feel like I thought that he alluded to the fact of like, they could trade a defenseman to kind of get cap compliant, but you know, you also kind of come into the postseason maybe down a defenseman. And it seems like for, forever the Bruins have gone into the playoffs with someone hurt on the blue line. So it might make sense to hang on to someone like Mike Riley. So, you know, kind of hard to know, but it'll be interesting to see how they approach that. Yeah, that's going to be the thing, I think, because there's the, you know, you, you look at a guy like Craig Smith and you look at a guy like Mike Riley. And with Craig Smith, you know, you need depth scoring. That's their issue. That's why they got Craig Smith. And they've had that issue even with Craig Smith is just getting that depth scoring in the postseason. Um, but again, a Fabian Lysel, which we'll get, I maybe get to in a bit with Fabian Lysel, like if he, if he's solid, if he's really good in Providence, his spot might not be in the top six. It might be kind of like Tyler Sagan in 2011, mm. uh, where he's on the third line mm-hmm. and he slots in there. And suddenly Craig Smith is expendable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but then you look at the back end and you might not have a spot for Mike Riley, but as you said, you need defensemen in the postseason because guys get injured and guys go down and guys don't ha- play well and they need to you know, slot guys in and Riley's a good one to slot in. And doesn't, you know, it's hard to, fi- sometimes it's hard to find a good puck moving left shot defenseman. Mm-hmm. So again, really tough choices there. Um, yeah. And there's, I don't think there's no, there's no right answer. There's no like, oh, obviously it's a defenseman. It's 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 murky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that's going to be interesting to see. I think kind of now moving into, I guess uh, expectations or like predictions or whatever. Um, you know, I think I think at the beginning of the season it's going to be hard to kind of know what the expectations are going to be because they're not whole yet. I think you know, you'll get a better idea once they're healthy, you know, maybe middle of the season. But I think just looking at this team and looking at what they could look like when they're healthy, I think that this is a a team that could realistically make a decent run in the playoffs. You know, I think that it's not unreasonable to think that they could win a round or two just based on the talent of the roster. I mean, obviously you want things to go well, you want the coaching change to do exactly what what you want it to do so i'm curious um about kind of your expectations for what you think the season's going to look like i think best case scenario they end the regular season as a top three team in the atlantic which they have every chance of doing and they make a run now can they finally beat the lightning you have to think and you mentioned this earlier at some point this lightning team has to not go to the Stanley cup. Like at some point that's lightning has to lose. Um, And again, it's been forever that the Bruins have had a horrible time trying to beat the lightning in the playoffs. Maybe this is the year. Maybe they bring all the the band back together and the lightning have, you know, tired themselves out. And this is the year. So best case scenario, they find a way past the lightning and, you know, they find a way into the conference final. And then from there, who knows? I think this group feels like best case scenario is just get to the playoffs. Cause I think this group feels like if they just can get to the playoffs, anything can happen. Right. I think a worst case scenario is, I mean, obviously like, you know, 
David Krejci just decides, hey, I don't want to play anymore. I'm, I'm retiring. Does like the Tuka Rask thing from last year. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think a true worst case scenario is they have a really rough first two months of the year. The Krejci line doesn't take off like they thought it would. Maybe Jeremy Swayman isn't as, doesn't take the step forward that they thought he would. And suddenly, you know, Marshan and McAvoy are coming back and they're under 500. Ottawa's ahead of them in the division and they're, you know, playing catch up all season long and they are barely scraping by to get into the playoffs come the end of the year. I guess that's the worst case scenario because this team won't be bad. I think it's the first, like this team isn't going to suck. They're they're not going to be, you know, um, they're not going to be tanking. They're, Mm -hmm. they're going to be good. But again, I think it's the best case scenario has a better chance of happening than the worst case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely agree. You know, I think, um, Best case scenario, I think certainly is, as you said, they finish top three in the division. They go on a run. Um, I think realistically they can do that. I mean, just looking at the division and looking at the, the roster that they have when it's healthy. But, you know, you hope that they can kind of remain at or above 500 at the beginning in, in the first couple months of the season. Um, I think for me, worst case scenario, it's you know, if they just run into some injuries, guys don't produce the way that they thought. And, you know, they fall into one of the wild card spots and have to play a freight train New York Rangers team and they lose in seven games in the first round. Um, but I think for me, best case scenario, and obviously this is going to sound like a cliche, but best case scenario, they win the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> they go deep, they get, they get lucky, they get the goaltending that they need and some of the young guys produce better than anyone could have ever imagined. But again, I think that that's, you know, absolute best case scenario. I mean, that's every team's best case scenario. Let's be honest, (laughs) but I'm excited to excited to see what's in store. Yeah, that is a very best case scenario. And it's hard to sit here and and say like, Oh, this team's going to, you know, I think they're going to win the cup, but I do think, they have the ingredients that when fully healthy, they can make a run for the cup. I think that is not something crazy to say. I think that's very on point. Um, and I'm so intrigued by the senators this year. Yeah. Like that's a one thing. It's the one team where they made real acquisitions to bring it and Claude Giroux. Um, and, and they did solid things. I just don't know about everything. And they have Cam Talbot and Ned, I believe as well. This happened a while ago, so it's, it's escaping me. But like, it's a it's a solid team. I just don't I don't see a world in which they're better than the Bruins this year, um, or or the Lightning or the Panthers, and and probably even the Leafs. I, I don't see that happening. So I think going into kind of looking at some breakout players for the season, um, I think for me personally, uh, Brandon Carlo is a guy that I would love to see get back to being kind of that shutdown guy that he was a few years ago you know, get him more involved offensively, you know, I think getting him more involved in the rush, I think is something that I feel like I would like to see. And I think that if he can prove to this team that he can play, you know, top pair minutes, that's great. Once McAvoy comes back and you can slide him down to the second pair and you can have two great shutdown guys. Um, I think Jakob Zaborl defensively is another guy that I think could have a really good season and kind of break out and maybe he plays well enough that you could feel comfortable playing him on the, on the top pair at times, you know, if there are injuries. Um, and I think in terms of the forwards, Pavel Zaka is kind of a 
is, is kind of an easy name to point to there. Uh, but I think him playing with Bergeron in the beginning part of the season could work wonders for his game. And then I also think uh, Mark McLaughlin might uh, make the roster out of camp and be on that fourth line. McLaughlin's an interesting one. I agree with all the others. I think Carlos, Borrell, um, and Zaka all, you know, I think they need Carlo. I think the, you know, the, the arrow is pointed up for guys like Borrell and Zaka. Um, I think Johnny Beecher has a real chance to solidify himself on the fourth line. Now, maybe not straight out of camp. Maybe they'd like him to play a little more Providence, but his game fits the pro game. Well, he's fast. He's got a good shot. Um, he's big, he can get to, you know, dirty areas. Um, again, I don't expect him to be this offensive force, but for a, for a fourth line center, he is as good as you're going to get as a fourth line center. Um, and he's solid. Like I just, again, I don't see him, you know, moving his way into the top six. Cause if that was the case, I'd say like he needs more time in Providence, But with the way his he plays and him in the prospects challenge games uh, and him at Michigan and Providence in the last year, like he is a very he's a very solid bottom six center and he even looks at now. So, again, if he has a terrific training camp and I know there's already guys like you you have Nosek, you have Felino, like you have guys you're paying quite a lot of money to, to, to be in those spots. But if he looks good and he's ready, I think he's someone that could absolutely stick. Now, maybe they put him on the wing for, instead of, you know, to have a guy like Nosek be down the middle, but I don't, again, if he's good and good in camp, I don't see the reason to, to put him not to not put him um, up on the big club. So I think he's someone that could absolutely break out this year. And again, I don't mean like 50, 60 points. Right. I, I just mean like stick to the roster and be mm-hmm. someone that you can rely on on that fourth line. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think the the early returns out of him in the, the rookie tournament, you know, tell you that, okay, here's a guy that could really be an impact player. And, you know, I think that uh, there, there doesn't have to be this grand expectation that, you know, he's a first round pick. He needs to be scoring 40, 50, 60 points in his first season. Um, but as you said, I mean, I think that he's a guy that looks to be pro ready and his game translates to the NHL game. And I think could really be a help to this fourth line group. You know, he doesn't have to make the team out of camp, but I think at some point, you know, obviously there are always going to be injuries throughout the season. And, you know, hopefully he's a guy that gets an opportunity. 100% you'll see him up with the team this year. But as you said, it's tough because there's a lot of other fourth liners. There's a lot of other guys who are going to be fighting for those spots. But again, yeah. he has all the ingredients to beat them. He has yeah. all the ingredients. In, 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 and I also don't think people should be, I don't think people should be worried if he doesn't make the team. Because yes. it's not an indictment on him, unless he has a bad training camp, which then it is. But yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with him going back to Providence to do yeah. a few more months. Like there's n- there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Same with Lysel. There's nothing wrong going to Providence yeah. for for some time. Like that's a good thing. Um, but again, I think a guy like Beecher, for what his role would be, is probably a little more NHL ready than a guy like Lysel, just because yeah. the role. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that that probably. That, that probably covers it for uh, for this. Uh, any other any other Bruins thoughts, uh, Evan? You have before uh, training camp opens this week? I don't have any. Uh, there's no PTOs, which uh, you know, again, that 
the, the three that people talked about were Yandel, Subban, and Chara. They all retired on the same day. So that's not, all those, none of them are happening. Um, so no, I mean, they, it's, you know, the group, it's the group they have. I think we hit on everything. We really, like, we really so. went up and down the lineup and we hit on all the big things. All right. Uh, before, before we go, any, uh, any plugs you want to, you want to do for yourself? Yeah, I mean, uh, make, you know, subscribe to us over at uh, New England Hockey Journal. It's a lot of fun stuff happening over there. A lot of cool, you know, local stories, which I love doing. And it's been fun. I'm three weeks in, so it's a good time. And uh, Bruins Beat, listen to that. And obviously listen to this. The beauty of podcasts is it's not like we're all happening at the same time. You can listen to my podcast, your podcast, anyone's podcast, whenever you'd like. So make sure to listen to both these podcasts. So those are my only plugs. Definitely. All right. Well, uh Evan, thanks for joining us, and uh, we look forward to catching up with you maybe later on in the season. I'd love to. All right, everyone. I'll talk to you next week.